Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of My Circus, My Monkeys. I have two questions for you. Number one, how would you rate your well-being? Number two, how would you rate the well-being of your team? And I didn't give you a scale, but we'll say on a scale of one to 10. If your answer is anything but 10 and 10, stay tuned because we're going to talk about how important well-being is for both you and your team. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. What is well-being? Quite simply, it's being well, but being well holistically when you look at your life. Now, if you search well-being, different people divide up well-being into different sections. So there is just general well-being, but people often need some way to, to look at that more strategically. So for example, Gallup has divided well-being into five different components, career, social, financial, physical, and community. And other people divide that up in different ways. Because when you're looking and trying to assess whether or not you are being well, you might be well physically, but not so much in your career. So if you feel like you're struggling as a supervisor, if you're struggling as we're going through this very stressful time in higher education, you may not be well in that area. So we're looking for balance throughout all the aspects of your life. Rashid Angularu said, your well-being must never become an afterthought. It must be your first act. Now, why is that the case? Because if we are not well, it impacts all that we do. It impacts our productivity. It impacts our creativity. It impacts the decisions we make. And when you're a supervisor, those things are all crucial. So when you're not feeling well physically, it impacts how you interact with your staff. It impacts the decisions you make. If you're not feeling well socially, we've been social distancing for a long time. We've not even been in the same physical location for work for over a year. That can have negative consequences on us emotionally, mentally, physically. All these things are interconnected. Hashtag connectedness. And so when we're thinking about how can I become a better supervisor? It's easy to just focus on, oh, well, I know I need to know how to do XYZ better. You know, Anne talked about setting expectations. I really need to do that. And if I can do that and learn how to do it well, I'll be a better supervisor. That is absolutely true. But if you learn how to set expectations, but don't have a degree of wellness 
in your life in many areas, your ability to carry out this expectation setting is going to be impacted. Again, if you are having a, you know, in the past, I've talked about how important it is to have these quality, well-structured, intentional one-on-ones. And so you're like, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm sitting down with Brenda in an hour and I feel like crap. My head hurts. I didn't have time to eat breakfast this morning because I was running around getting the kids ready. The best I could do was grab something out of the vending machine right before this meeting. How do you think that meeting is going to go? It's not going to go super awesome because you are not well. So here's the thing. We are human beings. We are not human doings. And if you think that's particularly clever, I did too. I did not make that up. I would like to take credit for it. But I've heard several other people say that. But it is absolutely true. We treat ourselves like machines, but we are not machines. Even if you have achiever as one of your dominant talent themes, so you like getting things done, you are not a robot. How many of you woke up, it was a big day, you had a lot of things to get through, and when you woke up, for whatever reason, you felt terrible. Like yesterday, it had been raining here off and on over the weekend. Tree pollen had been out of control anyway. So when I woke up on Monday, I felt super groggy. I dragged myself out of bed. My energy was not what it typically is. And when I looked at my to-do list, I kind of groaned and was like, how am I going to get through this? Why aren't you feeling better? Where's the energy that I need you to have? And so we get mad at ourselves for our bodies and our minds, how we feel, our well-being, not being where we want it to be so we can knock out a to-do list. Oh my gosh, it's a super busy day. Why am I not feeling better? I don't need this today, right? So we treat ourselves like we treat our computers. Every day when I turn on my computer, I want it to run exactly the same, in the same way. I don't want any of this nonsense about, oh, slow bandwidth, or why is Excel not responding? That's BS. I don't want that to happen. I want it to work exactly the same as it should every single day. There should be no, well, it's kind of rainy out, so I have to give it some extra cookies to give it. No, it should work exactly the same. Barring some sort of weird thing, which IT should immediately fix. That's how we treat ourselves. But that's not what human beings are. And expecting ourselves to work in this fashion simply sets us up for disappointment, frustration, and anger, which we often then direct to ourselves. Because then it's like, oh, why didn't I go to bed earlier last night? And oh, yippity-yop, yip-yop. Yippity-yop, yip-yop. I don't even know what that's about. Anyway, we need different things on different days. And even at the beginning of the day, when we're like, oh, I'm feeling fantastic. This is awesome sauce. I'm going to nail everything. Sometimes something happens and we have to readjust. For example, last weekend, rainy again, I was taking my mom's dog for a walk, Australian Shepherd, so lots of energy, and I slipped on some mud fell on my ass. That then impacted 
the yoga that I was going to do later that day because based on the fall and how my body felt, I'm like, mm, I don't think that's the best idea. Let's let our body recover. And it impacted a couple days later, like two days in, okay, is my body recovered enough for me to do X, Y, Z? And that's an adjustment that I had to make. But often we don't like to do that. We expect our body, our mind, our emotions to fall in line as we want them when we want it to happen. And that, again, just leaves us being frustrated and upset, typically with ourselves. So how do we know when we are unwell? And again, I'm going to use Gallup's five areas of wellness because, and, and again, there are other different people have different categories for this. And especially res life people, old school res life people, remember the wellness wheel back in the day? I learned that when I was an RA, kind of went out of style for a while, but same concept. So again, looking at career, social, financial, physical, and community, how do we know we're not well within those? Well, we feel unwell. We feel bad. Those feelings we had, I did an episode on feelings in the workplace. Hopefully you listened to it. If not, I would super recommend, I'd super recommend it because I totally did it and it's awesome. But I do actually think it is a great synopsis of what feelings really are and kind of what to do with them or deal with them in the workplace. And really, feelings are just a biofeedback system for us as human beings. And with the example of when I fell on my butt, now I've said butt before I said ass, now I'm saying butt, I really just indiscriminately censor myself and other times I care not at all. But the symptoms there were that various parts of my body felt sore. They hurt. So that was a symptom. And it alerted me to the fact that, hey, something's wrong here. And the thing that was wrong was that I fell and I kind of hurt myself. And so those muscles needed a chance to recover and get well again for me to really be effective physically. And of course, when you're not feeling well physically, that impacts other things in your life. It impacts how you feel mentally. And that can bring up some other emotions, some other feelings. can also impact how you show up at work, how you show up at home, how you show up with other people in your lives, in your life. I said lives as though it was plural, but you know what I'm saying. So we have these symptoms and stereotypical, you get a headache, right? My head hurts. I'm trying to get all this stuff done and gosh darn it, golly gee whiz, now I have a headache. How am I going to get it done with my head hurting this bad? So what do we do? Take some Advil and hope it goes away. And we ignore the symptom. Again, this biofeedback mechanism that our body and our mind relies on for our well-being. And sure, we can't always just stop what we're doing because we do have deadlines and you know we do have meetings and, and things like that. So that's not always an option. But we treat it like it's never an option. And instead of asking the question, why am I always getting headaches? What's the underlying problem? We just continue to go on as though we are machines, as though we are robots, getting mad that our stupid head is hurting when we have all these things to do. It's like, hey, have you seen my to-do list? I don't have time for this. Well, your body is telling you, 
something is unwell and you need to address it or it's going to get worse. And we've become really, really good at ignoring our body and those symptoms and what they're telling us. And so what starts at some mild discomfort, we're like, oh, my head kind of hurts. Well, I guess I'll take, do I need Advil? Maybe not. Whatever. I'll just keep doing the exact same thing that I'm doing. Fast forward a couple hours or a day later, a couple days later, since you didn't respond to the symptom, to this biofeedback mechanism, your head is like, okay, well, they didn't get the message. So let's, let's be a little louder. So now your head hurts more. And you're like, oh, my head still hurts. Now I definitely need some Advil. Take the Advil. Keep doing exactly the same thing I'm doing. But the Advil makes it go away temporarily. So you're like, okay, cool. I'm better. But you're not better. You're just masking the message that is telling you that something is wrong about your environment or with your body, with some area of wellness. And again, we just ignore it because who has time for that? So then a few days later, you get a killer headache. And you're like, oh my gosh, where is this coming from? It's coming from the same place that it came from a week earlier, except we didn't bother to do anything about what was actually causing our headaches. Basically, our body, this biofeedback mechanism, just keeps amping up the degree of pain or the degree of discomfort until we finally pay attention. So all of these things are telling us that there is something that is making us unwell. And again, like I'm specifically talking about physical, you know, mental, that sort of thing. But when we think about financially, if we are unwell financially, we are, and I guess just rewind a little bit, for these physical things, for these mental things, for everything that we're talking about, when it gets to a certain point, it sends us into fight or flight. How many of you, and I'm raising my hand here too, have had a headache so bad or, you know, some other like muscle like issue, some sort of physical pain so bad that it absolutely impacted your ability to do any sort of work? I definitely have, like to the point of tears, to the point of I just literally cannot do any more work because this hurts so bad. And it sends your body into fight or flight. And we've already talked about fight or flight quite a bit in other episodes and one episode specifically about stress. And the same thing can happen with these other areas, like financially. If you are unwell financially, then you are constantly worried about money. So even though you're showing up, you're having these one-on-one meetings, you're going to other meetings, making decisions, in the back of your mind, you are in fight or flight because how am I going to pay these bills? Oh my gosh, we had to have a salary cut because of COVID. What's going to happen? And even, you know, which makes us then, oh my gosh, what if I lose my job? Blah, 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 blah. We're, we're in fight or flight. And we've already, again, in other episodes talked about how when you're in fight or flight, your body has all these automatic responses to protect you in the short term from this thing that potentially will kill us. But that's not how fight or flight typically shows up for us anymore. It's supposed to be the short term, save our lives from the saber toothed tiger. But instead, it's drawn out day after day after day. So when you are unwell in any of these areas, fight or flight kicks in, which then can spiral into other areas. So say you are physically fit, physically you're well, but suddenly your career is not going so well. Again, just the stressors that we've had over this past year in higher education as supervisors, all of a sudden that stress level is rising, puts you into fight or flight, 
So now your beautiful, well-sculpted, healthy body, you don't have time to go for those runs anymore. The cortisol is pumping. So you're eating all these terrible things out of the vending machine. And so being unwell in one area can start to impact the areas that you are well in. So it's really about maintaining a balance of wellness in your life, which is why at the very beginning, that quote from Rashid Ogunlaru, I thought was so poignant because you have to put your well-being first. You can't just let it be an afterthought because how well you are impacts how well everything goes in your life. So the less well you are, the more difficult for you it is to overcome challenges, to deal with things effectively, to be productive, to be creative, to be an effective supervisor. And at the very beginning of this episode, I asked, how would you rate your well-being? How would you rate your teams? Because in this pandemic, we have truly made our well-being an afterthought because we've been in survival mode. And to a certain degree, yes, right? I mean, this was a really weird situation. Really weird? That's the best way for you to describe this? It was a very unusual situation. The last pandemic we had, you know, (laughs) the influenza of... 1918. So we don't have it very often. And there have been a lot of stressors to go with this. But what we did, instead of doubling down on wellness, we doubled down on overwork. And now, surprise, we find ourselves less well, more stressed, more at the edge of burnout. And that's true for ourselves. And it's true for our team. So we really need to step back And start thinking about wellness as a priority, both for us and for our team. Why? Because we are human beings, and that's what we were designed to do. That's how we work. But we've been trying to shove us, and I'm working into a metaphor here that I haven't explained, so it's going to sound weird. We're trying to shove us through this round hole, and it's messing us up. And (laughs) the example is, You know, you can keep shoving a square peg through a round hole, and maybe if you work hard enough, you can get it through, but it's not going to be the same when it gets through. It's going to be less than it was. And the systems and the culture that we have created are not congruent with who we are as people, how our bodies and how our minds and how our spirits operate. And we often feel this helplessness. Because, well, what can I do? The only thing I can do is just keep going on and and fingers crossed, hope we survive and make it through. I just need to work harder. And that is stress telling you that. That's the fight or flight kicking in, making you think you have no options. But you do have options and you do have choices. And we as leaders in higher education, the people who are sculpting the minds of the future, the children of the future... We should take it upon ourselves to create a better world for us and for them because we can't keep going the way we've been going. And I feel like I've kind of gotten a soapbox a little bit, but I feel like I've done that on other episodes where we've talked about stress too because I'm just so disheartened by all the people feeling so stressed and overwhelmed and feeling like they have no choice but to buckle down and work harder because. That doesn't work. It doesn't actually make us more productive. Working harder does not make us more productive. Working harder does not make us more productive. Working harder makes it harder to achieve what we want to achieve. 
because we're not well, so we're not bringing the best. Like we've talked about in other episodes, our talents are more likely to show up as weaknesses. So we're literally putting obstacles in front of us, ourselves, to achieving what we want to achieve. And when we're tired, it takes longer and more energy to get things done. So we're in this cycle that doesn't serve us in any way, and it doesn't serve our students, and it doesn't serve society as a whole, because we are not designed to work like this. And I really wanted to, I like, honest, <laughs> I meant when I organized this podcast, I'm looking at the piece of paper right now, I put it in a different order, but the spirit moved me to kind of reorganize things. And in the middle, I was going to put a plug for our upcoming supervisor summer camp. And now that I've gotten all worked up about wellness, feels a little out of place, but now I've already introduced it. So what I wanted to say is that we take a holistic approach with supervisor training at Strengths University. Because of the thing I've been talking and slash ranting about, because our wellness, how we are physically, how we are emotionally, how we are socially, how we are career-wise, that all impacts how we show up in the world, the quality of what we put out, our ability to be a good, effective, efficient supervisor. And when you try and departmentalize yourself, well, that's work, this is home, it just can't be done. We can pretend we're doing it, but we really can't. Because the stories that we have that trigger us from our youth and somehow come up during a staff meeting, during the day, through some sort of project, that impacts the decisions we make and how we work with other people. When we've been stressed at home, when we're, my earlier example, where you're rushing to get the kids out of the house so you can get to work on time, so you can have that one-on-one meeting that you were so excited about, but you didn't have time to eat. And when you finally got to work, and had time to stop by the vending machine, you got a candy bar because that was the best option. That impacts how you show up for the rest of the day, that thing that happened at home. And when you have a rough day at work and you're like, oh yeah, I get to go home, hang out with my partner, enjoy my kids, it makes it that much more difficult to do that. So when you're thinking of any sort of growth and development for yourself, for your team, If you're not taking a holistic approach, you're missing out on really understanding that you are a collective human being who has feelings, who has who has all these parts of you and all these potential places where you could have well-being or not be well, and they all come together and are you on any given moment. If that resonates with you, you're tired of being tired, you're you've realized, oh my gosh, I can't give myself a 10 on well-being and I definitely don't think my staff is at a 10 on well-being. Oh crap. We are having supervisor summer camp where we're going to go into detail about ways you can be a better supervisor, but ways that honor you as being a human being and how to connect those pieces so that not only do you understand better what supervisors should do, but how you can support yourself, how you can invest in your well-being to make sure that you can take that knowledge and apply it in a healthy way that benefits you, that benefits your team, that benefits your family, that benefits the students. If you're interested, go to our website, strengthsuniversity.org. 
slash summer camp. We start June 1st. So register ASAP. But just to wrap up my rant, your wellness and your team's wellness is imperative. The more well you are, the more well they are, the less hard any of you have to work to get done what needs to get done. The less well all of you are, the harder you need to work, the longer it will take to get what needs to be done, and the quality of that finished product is going to be less. And that just makes terrible business sense. If all we're worried about is the bottom line, it's a terrible way to run a business because it's not getting you where you want to go and it's exhausting along the way. So let's together flip that. Let's start investing in our own wellness and in our team's wellness first, because then we're going to be more productive. We're going to get things done faster and better, and we're going to have a better quality of life. Namaste. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th, Go ahead and register now. Check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.